Welcome in the Sports Decaf in the morning. It's the it's your co-host Tariq Abdullah. What's up? It's Tariq Fatul. Let's get the show on the road. All righty. It's a Wednesday morning. I didn't have my coffee, but it doesn't matter. So today, question of the day. Westbrook's triple-double streak or James Harden's scoring streak, which is more impressive? Um, It's Russell Westbrook's, no doubt about it. Nah. It's easily Russell Westbrook because here's why. Not only is it because if you look at James Harden, it's a scoring streak. He's playing one side of the ball. Ball's always in his hands. He's scoring, gets around 25 shots a game. Russell Westbrook, first of all, has to play more than one side of the basketball. He has to defend. He's always guarding the best ba- uh, basketball matchup. Number two, we've seen these scoring outbreaks before. We've seen Kobe average around 35. We've seen Tracy McGrady go off for 35 in a, in a single season. We've never seen someone average 10 triple doubles, excuse me, have 10 triple doubles in a row. Within this 10-game span, he's averaging 20, 14, and 13. Almost two and a half blocks a game. We've always seen big outbursts like this. I mean, we've always seen people score. I mean, scoring is going to always be part of the NBA. The last person who got this many triple doubles in a row was Will Chamberlain. That's back in the 1950s, 1960s. Oscar I, Robertson, I believe. No, uh, Triple doubles? I think, um, forget it. If, I, I'm pretty sure it's Will Chamberlain. It is Will Chamberlain. It is, it is. I just checked. It's Will Chamberlain. But to, back to my point, this team started off 0-4 in the season. And why were they 0-4? Russell Westbrook was injured. I mean, now we look at this team. Russell Westbrook, uh, Russell Westbrook is back. They're a top three seed in the West. I mean, this, you know, th- this definitely goes to Russell Westbrook. You look at their system. Even their system is ten times more complex than Houston's system. Houston's system is just give J- give James Harden the ball, pick and roll, and let him work. I mean, obviously, someone's going to average thirty points a game or get more than thirty points if they're getting all the touches. You know, getting the ball, the ball's always in their hands. Russell Westbrook has to get others involved. And he has to attack the glass, has to attack the rim, and also has to play defense. I think this is undoubtedly Russell Westbrook. Uh, I disagree. If you got to look at Westbrook's, you know, efficiency, his PER is number 43 in the league. I mean, Paul George is sitting at number 12. James Harden's at number two. James Harden's giving you 36.5. He's giving you about seven rebounds and about eight assists a game. I mean, he's second in the league in steals. So, I mean, de- defensively, I mean, he, he showed up this year. I mean, and he's giving you about one block a game. I mean, you, you got to give credit to James Harden. I mean, his, his numbers, you know, you know, back itself. CP3 has missed 23 games this season. And when, and when CP3 got hurt, I mean, this team was like a number 11 seed in the West. I mean, they're sitting right now at the fifth seed. You got to keep in mind, Capella has missed 14 games. He's still out. And Eric Gordon, I mean, he's missed 13 games this season. So, I mean, James Harden has carried the load when, you know, there was no one to step up. And, I mean, you got to – it goes back to 2016-2017, his first career, you know, triple-double season. I mean, what happened to OKC? They lose first round 4-1. I understand Durant was out. They bring in Paul George the year after. What happens again? You know, Westbrook averages a triple-double. What happens in the playoffs? They're out first round. I mean, now this year – you can argue that the best player on that OKC team in terms of this season is Paul George, and that is where their success is coming from. I mean, usage rate, James Harden's first in the league. I mean, every, every the, the numbers just back itself. I mean, I know Westbrook's, you know, having a historic season, but no one has put up, you know, 30 straight 30-point games, you know, as well, except for the man, you know, Will Chamberlain back in the days, and we're talking about, you know, in the 1960s. So, I mean, James Harden's having a historic season, but it's 
contributing to winning. Westbrook, you can't necessarily say that because his PER is number 43 in the league. Paul George is number 12. So you can argue that their their winning is coming from Paul George because he is the best uh, player on the team right now. I don't, I don't think – there's there's a certain level to where we can see stats, and if if – I mean, but the numbers seen, don't we've, lie. If, we've if, seen these stats 2016, 2017, okay. out first round. Okay, wait, wait, wait. 2017, 2018, out first round. Okay, and you got a point, but let's flip the script. Has James Harden shown up in the playoffs as well? Yeah, they where, went to the Western Conference Finals. And where was he in Game 7? He, he's, I mean, against James the Warriors Harden, team. If, if you know basketball, James Harden has a stigma to not have shown up in the playoffs in the last three years. So you want to say this about Westbrook? You can flip the script and say about Harden. Number two, you talk about the PER and you say that uh, Westbrook doesn't contribute to their wins. Man, screw that. If you average a triple-double and you're guarding the I'm best – saying Paul George is the main reason why they're winning right Okay, now. okay. and, and uh, I agree Westbrook's with you. contributing, but I'm not – But that's he, not the question. He's not the key. The question factor. is which run is more impressive. Now who's contributing James most? Harden. Okay, then that's your opinion. I mean, we've seen this from Westbrook, and it, it really hasn't gone far. And First round. Has, okay, James but, Harden's gone to the Western Conference Finals. But one has he game, shown up? Has he shown up? One game away from the NBA has he shown up? against one of the greatest has, teams has he shown in the up? history of the has sport. Has he shown up in the playoffs? Everyone knows. He, if you look at his stats beginning of the, beginning of the rounds, it's, it's way better than the end of the rounds. He, you know, he tires out. And now you look at – and you talk about his stats and his usage rate. Well, my friend, that's, I mean, that, that just helped me out. You look at his usage rate, that's, you can say that for a reason why. That's why his numbers are so good. I mean, if, you, if Chris Paul doesn't go down, they're in the NBA Finals, possibly. Okay, but that's so, I mean, you can't, We're you talking, can't really say James Harden didn't show up. I'm talking about the year before that and the year you, prior to that. You but, brought up Russell Westbrook's last three years. Exactly. And you James look at Harden has look been at James better Harden. his last three years. He, they beat, he beat Westbrook's team 4-1 into the playoffs. Without, wait, you, but it was this just was Russell Westbrook himself. It was just Russell Westbrook himself, right? And it was Harden without Chris Paul, I believe. Okay. And that's cool and all, but you still – I'm talking about who showed up in the playoffs. You said Russell Westbrook did not show up in the playoffs. His, his yeah, yeah, you're talking about Westbrook – I mean, uh, James Harden doesn't show up in the playoffs. He doesn't. If you look at his regular season so, stats so and compare it to his playoffs Not making stats, it out the first round is showing up in the playoffs. But that's, that's – I'm talking but, about statistical-wise. I'm talking – okay, if Russell – you can say the same. Russell Westbrook has been to an NBA Finals. He's been the, he was the second best player on the NBA Finals team. James Harden, if, if I'm not mistaken, he was a sixth man on that team. Westbrook had a horrible playoffs last season. So he didn't show up. He okay, but you're right. You're right. Westbrook did have a horrible playoffs. Yeah. So a guy who but, who but, gets but who doesn't Harden, make it out the first round has showed up more than a guy who's made it to the Western Conference. I wouldn't say. If you, I wouldn't say that. If you look at James Harden's right. if you look at James Harden's stats against San Antonio the year uh, the year before that, whenever Kawhi Leonard was on that team, he did not show up at all. If you look at that, I mean, even whenever whenever he was with Dwight Howard in that team. He was the best player regular season wise when it came to the playoffs. Everyone know, everyone knew that's not the same James Harden. We knew that, and I want to get to a point. Well, you we're said, talking in terms of his historical run. Okay, and I'm trying to get to Westbrook's historical run. I don't think he's accomplished anything. I want to get to what you said. You said his usage rate is the highest in the NBA. Yeah. If anything, that's a point to why he should be having 30 points a game. If if your usage rate is the highest in the NBA, you're getting the ball the most, you're shooting the most shots. He leads the league in dribbles. He leads the league in. He has 88% of his uh, shots are not assisted. That means he has the ball in his hands all the time. You're shooting at least 25 shots a game. I'm sorry. I mean, that's impressive. Don't get me wrong. All respect to James Harden. But I just feel like you should be having 30 points. If you're shooting this many times, how many times does he get to the but free throw line? But it's transitioning to wins. If you, look at the, if you look at the Thunder's last 10 games, they're 9-1. and one. 
That's and Russell. Paul Wes- George has been on a monster streak, and he has. But Russell Westbrook is averaging twenty, fourteen, and thirteen. Are we just not going to give him credit? I, I'll give him credit, but I mean, he's been doing that the last two seasons. They haven't gone nowhere. But, we're, uh, but you. So I mean, to we got to talk about this run right here. I, I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from Westbrook's triple double run, but I'm not I'm not going to put it over James Harden, who's you know thirty straight thirty point games, and it's contributing to wins with Chris Paul being out, with Capella, with Eric Gordon being out part of that time. I mean, what, all the Thunder is missing is just Andre Roberson, who doesn't necessarily contribute on the offensive end. I just I just think if you're averaging a triple-double, that means you have to not – you're the point guard of that team. You have to get your players involved, get them the ball. And there's been a whole stigma that he ball hogs or that he waits to the last seconds and he stat pads his assists. If you actually watch the games this year, especially during this 10-game streak, he's getting everyone, he's getting everyone involved. He's being more conservative, getting rebounds, and he's putting up the points. James Harden, don't get me wrong, he's putting up major points, and most of the time they're converting to wins. But in this 10-game span, Russell Westbrook is by far more impressive because not only is he getting everyone involved, he's playing big minutes a night, but he's doing it on the defensive end as well. If you look at James Harden, he's usually not guarding Russell Westbrook. If you looked at that OKC versus Houston matchup, it was Westbrook guarding Harden, not Harden guarding Westbrook. I mean, I'm not just going to, you know, look at one matchup, one game. I'm going to look at, you know, when it comes to playoff times, Whose stats transition over into wins? That's not the question, though. The question is which run is more impressive. This run, I mean, you right can here. Ha- you can have a little nice triple double run, but I mean, we've seen it two years, and it's it's done nothing for that Thunder team. The reason why they're balling out this year is because Westbrook is shooting less because his field goal percentage is horrible this season. He's shooting twenty four percent from three, and you know, just barely above forty percent from his field goal range. So, I mean, in terms of runs, I'm gonna go with Harden. I, I just I don't know if it's just I'm not me. Too sold on it the might Westbrook. be my it might be my Russell Westbrook bias, but I think a lot of people can agree with me. If you're out, if you're getting ten straight triple doubles, you're nine and one in the last ten games. I know Paul George is balling out, but I mean we gotta we gotta understand as well who's who's facilitating the ball to Paul George, who's getting him involved. If we look at last year, we looked at the old Russell Westbrook last year. Paul George not only had a bad shooting year, but he wasn't as involved. You had to give touches to Carmelo Anthony. Paul, I mean, Russell Westbrook was shooting his shots. I think it's more impressive for Russell Westbrook as a whole. He's taking a step back. He's letting Paul George do his thing. If you look at Paul and that's George, why they're, they're this successful this and, season. But to me personally, I think that's more impressive on Russell Westbrook's part because not only are you, getting your, are, are you getting Paul George involved, and he's having a great year, so he understands that, that Paul George is the best scorer on that team. But he's getting other players involved. He's getting Steven Adams the ball. Terrence Ferguson, if you look at the last but five minutes. he has to. Uh, I don't know about if he has to, because if you look at the last because two if he years. he does that with Durant, they're, they're winning that 2012 NBA Finals. I don't, what does that? So, I mean, he has to I, transition why, why his do game. You, why do you keep going back to the playoffs? I'm talking about this run. I mean, I don't I'm understand. saying he has to. I mean, Westbrook has to play as a point guard rather than that leading shooter on exactly. the team. But it, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by what he's doing this season. But, I mean, he should have done this way before. I mean, she should done this years ago. I, and I agree with you. That's why – but if you – you got to understand – okay, look, let's, let's think about it in this way. Russell Westbrook is probably one of the most stubborn dudes in the NBA. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. And for him, you got to think on his personality, he's a stubborn dude. He gets it on his own. He's going to work hard. You know, he doesn't really care about what anyone says. For him to, to like, personally take a step back and understand and understand his faults – and actually defer to other people. Because if you look at the last four, five minutes of a fourth quarter game, it's close. 
instead of taking that game-winning shot, he'll drive and kick it. Old Russell Westbrook would have drove and tried to, you know, get a foul or something. Yeah. So I think in terms of more impressive, I'm going to leave it at this. You're doing, you're doing more than scoring. James Harden's getting the ball most of the time. I mean, his, his second, third, and fourth best player were out for a majority of the time. That's extremely impressive. Don't get me wrong. And it was translating to wins. I think if you have the ball in your hands all the time, and don't get me wrong, we got to admit this system kind of inflates his stats. You're getting the ball all the time. Your usage rate's higher. It's an ISO system. Russell Westbrook is doing everything on the court possible, literally. He's getting to the line, getting others involved, rebounding, scoring, playing defense. I, I, I just but, think but it's more who, impressive. Who else can carry the load on that Rockets team? You're right. And I agree with you, but you got to look at it In terms like of this. scoring, Paul George can carry the load on the Thunder team. In terms of rebounds, you can leave it to Steven and, Adams. But, uh, okay, but I mean, so just – I mean, his, his passing is the only thing that's really impressed me this season. In terms of rebounds, I mean – he stat hogs on the rebounds. Okay, wait, wait. That's 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 another stigma I don't like. Stat hogs for rebounds. Forget it. If you stat, you know what? Go go ahead and go ahead and be be selfish on rebounds. Go stat hog it. What I'm trying to get getting to is, rebounds is rebounds. Like what I'm trying to get you're to not, is you're not you're not affecting it. He doesn't have to get rebounds on that team. He doesn't have to be the leading scorer on that team because he has two guys who can do that role for him. For sure. James Harden with Capella being out, with Chris Paul being out. I mean, he has to be the leading assister on that team. Has to be the leading scorer, and he has to help out on rebounds. So he has three roles that he's required to do, and that's why his usage rate is so high. So, so, so we're gonna bash Russell Westbrook for doing no, everything possible he can do on the. We're court. not gonna bash him, but I'm talking about in terms of what you have to and what you don't have to do. Westbrook doesn't have to grab rebounds. So, so as a, doesn't have to score. As someone you've played basketball before, we should appreciate someone who leaves everything on the court. I think we should appreciate if you're going for every rebound. You're you're defending see, the best player. See, I'm not I'm not I'm not like you know bashing his performance, and I'm just you know validating my reason why James Harden's streak is more impressive. I mean, it's amazing the guy's averaging a triple double, but I mean we've seen it two seasons. I mean it's hasn't really contributed to anything besides oh it's just going to add to his legacy. You know what, man? Not too much on not too much on Westbrook, man. Not too much on Westbrook. That that triple double streak is amazing. I'm going to leave it at that. Let's go ahead and go to the next topic before, you know, because we could talk about this for 45 minutes. Yeah, we can go all day. But, you know, you, you got class in about an hour. Yeah, I got class in an hour. So, you know, we got to get the show on the road. So, you know, I was watching the, we were watching the Lakers game last night. Lakers versus Hawks. They lose to the Hawks. Um, oh, they lose. Yeah, they <laughs> lost to the Hawks. Um, right now, if I'm not mistaken, they're sitting 10th in the West. They're two and a half games back. From the playoffs, uh, from the playoff spot. So my question is, will the Lakers still make the playoffs? See, as much as much as you know, I I have that you know thing against LeBron James because you know I am a Durant guy. I, I think they will, simply because I mean he's been to the finals eight straight seasons. We we seen this with Cleveland last year. LeBron said, you know, just calm down, be patient, everything will find its way. And what happened? They made it to the NBA Finals. Not saying they will go to the Finals. There's no way. But, I mean, they're, they're what, two games back from the eighth seed? I mean, they're not too far out. All-star break's coming up. Guys are going to get a rest. I, I think they'll be just all right. I think they'll be all right. But they're definitely going to, you know, face some struggles come this playoffs. It's not going to be like last year. Yeah, if you look at this Lakers team, uh, I got one reason why they're making the playoffs. 
it's LeBron James. Uh, he's yeah. the greatest player on the planet. And if also, if you okay, other than LeBron James, if you also look at their, you know, their, the the strength of the remaining schedule, they're not even top ten in the league in strength of the remaining schedule. So they're gonna have a lot of easier games that they should win. I'm not gonna say that they're gonna win it, but they should win it. They're gonna have a lot of games at home. They're only two and a half games back from the playoff spot, and we know the Clippers have just traded Tobias Harris, so that might affect you know how their team ends up going, you know, to this playoff you know run or whatever. Also, I will say one thing though. And um, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and say I think I think I'm gonna go I'm gonna go ahead and expect Luke Walton to be fired pretty soon. I think with the 42 point loss to Indiana, a 23 point loss to the 76ers, and I think also with a, a loss to Atlanta, I think he's under the hot seat. I I wouldn't be surprised if he got if he gets fired soon. I mean, I feel like off season they'll make that move, but I mean you never know. This Lakers team is just going downhill. I feel like the, the, the bad thing about all of this, if you look at it, so, you know, there's teams with, you know, good cultures, bad cultures. I think now you walk in that room, that locker room, there is no culture. I mean, you look to your right, it's, you know, maybe six, seven dudes that were on trading on the trading block. You look to your left, there's two, three guys expiring contracts. I mean, this team is just delusional right now. I think Magic Johnson made a big mistake, you know, throwing his guys into that, you know, trading little you think that was a mistake i think it was a mistake simply Uh, because they got nothing out of it they lost zubak for nothing and i mean now you're you're heading late into the season with you know your two worst losses of the season coming in your last you know three four games so i mean this team is definitely in you know a bubble right now in terms of you know like they they don't know what they're doing right now i agree with you on the zubak part but I don't think it was a mistake to try to trade for Anthony Davis. I, I think, think I think we would have criticized too much. I think we would have criticized him if he didn't try making a trade for Anthony Davis. So if you look, you know, giving up Zubac for for you know Mike Muscala and whatnot. Okay, yeah, you definitely. I don't know what was going, you know, I don't know what was going through your head, but I think you had to do what you did, what you had to do to get Anthony Davis. I think in order to get Anthony Davis, especially LeBron James, is not getting any younger. So in order, or you know, give that package up, giving up your three young players, two first round picks. I mean, I don't, I don't fault him for doing that. I feel like any GM in that situation with, you know, the same amount of talent and whatnot, I think, that, you know, pressure's on them to make the move. But in all reality, you know, I, I called it from the get-go. We all knew the Pelicans were not going to accept this trade. I mean, we knew that they were not going to, you know, say yes to this trade. As, as enticing as it is. I think they should have. They should have said yes, in my opinion. As enticing this trade was, is, I mean, uh, was. I mean, if you look at, if you look at multiple, multiple reports, you know, GM Dell Demps was – basically blackmailed or threatened saying if you accept this trade bef- you know before hearing out Boston's offer he was potentially going to get fired so you know we you know you got to you know we got to just take things into consideration Pelicans were never going to take this trade they just want to see what the Lake, you know what the Lakers would offer but now comes to the regular season it's going to be a bidding war bidding war between Boston and LA and I won't be surprised to see if New York possibly tries throwing in that first round pick or whatnot for Anthony Davis but uh you know I honestly I I I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. Lakers, they're just in a weird situation. We've never seen this you know, situation with LeBron James in this manner. I think we've seen his team struggle, but not his team really kind of be be angry and salty at him in a way. You get what I'm saying? And they're, be- they're beating themselves at this point. Yeah, because if you look at that Cleveland Cavaliers team last year, yeah, they struggled, but we knew that their struggles came really defensively. you know. And they also had new bodies and whatnot. We look at this Lakers team, they have a lot of young players – 
that can actually play, but they're hurt that, you know, that they were on the trading block and whatnot. They don't know what to play for, what their team's goal is. They don't know. They don't know what's going on. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, you know, a good, you know, all-star week to sit down, you know, really relax yourself and just, you know, you know think about the season heading forward. If they can, you know, rejuvenate, get themselves together, I think they make it into the playoffs. I mean, if they don't, I think they miss out. Yeah, because right now, if you look at the Western uh, Conference standing, it's it's really a a race between them and Sacramento. As much I mean, as the that, Mavericks are right under there. Mavericks are under there. I'm not but, saying we'll get to that play, but we're gonna give them a run for the money. Honestly, I'm. I, I said this in the beginning of the season. Our 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 road record is horrible, and now we just let go of four starters, and we're essentially starting all of our bench players basically. Um, I I don't I don't I wouldn't I'm not gonna put my money on the Mavericks. You know, even going to the playoffs, I rarely think that they're gonna even try to. Because if you look at their top 10 remaining strength of the schedule, they're top 10. I mean, they're number eight. So they have the top eight hardest schedule remaining to, you know, until the, until the end of the season. I mean, so if I look at this Lakers team, I definitely think they're going to make the playoffs. I think essentially it's just going to be between, between them and Sacramento. I think Sacramento's playing amazing. We got to give them some, some type of credit. You know, that, that young core is amazing. But, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. So enough Laker talk. And let's get into some, you know, core talk. Best young core in the NBA. Best young core in the NBA. I know I just said the Sacramento Kings, but it's not the Sacramento Kings. Best young core in the NBA. I think it might shock a few. It's the Denver Nuggets, easily, no doubt about it. You got, you got. First of all, if you look at their top three players, they're 24 years old or less. Nikola Jokic, who's having an amazing year, is giving you 20, 11, and eight, and just 30, 30 minutes exactly, 30 minutes. He's only 22 years old. You look at Jamal Murray. He's giving you 18 and 5, 21 years of age. Gary Harris, 15, uh, 5 and 4, 24 years old. I mean, 22 years old. Excuse me. Uh, no, excuse me. He's 24. My bad. And Malik Beasley, 12 points off the bench, 22 years old. This team is second in the West. They're playing amazing. They're in the running to make the conference finals right now. And also, we got We can't deny this fact. They still have Michael Porter Jr. coming off next year. So if he comes back and he's himself, that's the icing on the top of the this. Cake. This team will be like the best team in the league at the, if they, you know, if if they if stay he, together, if, he's, if healthy. he's healthy. This, I mean, if you look at this young core, you know, we can speak on Boston's young core. You can speak on a lot of teams' young core. I think this team is playing the best. Their three best players are young. They're they're super young. They're their let, best player might be on the bench right now, not playing. Michael Porter Jr. As essentially, if you look at Nikola Jokic, in my opinion, he's the most skilled big man in the game. He's the second best big man behind Joel Embiid. This team is definitely, definitely has the best young core, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I agree simply because of that man who's not playing right now. I mean, they're this good. You know, I think they're a second or third seed in the West. I mean, the sky is definitely the limit when Michael Porter Jr. comes back. I mean, if he's healthy... They're a better team. They're an elite team, and they're a contender. If he's not healthy, they're still a good team. So I mean, all this. So they're in. I feel like they're in the process right now. When Michael Porter Jr. comes back, if he's Michael Porter Jr., you know, from you know the high school recruiting days, from you know what he was supposed to be in college. I mean, you're looking at one. Of, you're looking at one of the most feared teams in the league. I think. I think right now, without him, they're probably one of the most feared teams to begin with. Think this I, I team, feel they need a little more they, you know, they do, veteranship. Yeah, this team has, hasn't made the playoffs. Uh, if you look at their top players, not 
I think not any of them have playoff experience except M- Paul Millsap, essentially. Isaiah but Thomas. Isaiah Thomas as well. I, oh, my gosh. Isaiah Thomas coming yeah. off as well. Oh, my gosh. But back to my point, I think this team is still a dangerous team to be reckoned with. I think in the playoffs, they might f- face some hardship. But I think if you look at, okay, let's just say Michael Porter is not on this team. If you still look at this team in five years from now and they keep everyone, this team will probably be a favorite to win it all. I mean, Nikola Jokic, five years from now, age 27, is going to probably give given you, you know, elite numbers. My average a triple-double. So, I mean, this team is scary. I mean, I'm looking at Boston. If you – I mean, first of all, they traded their whole young core, basically. They traded Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Markel Fultz. So, that young core that they had is essentially gone. Their, their best players, uh, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, it's amazing. Amazing talent. Uh I don't know. I, if you talk about young core, who has the best group of young players? I think two players shouldn't outnumber the four, you know, really, really good players that Denver has. Yeah, Denver has depth on their. Denver team. has extreme amounts of depth. I mean, we can talk about Sacramento as well. I brought them up. I think, I think if you just look at the the way their two teams are going, Denver is a far much better team than Sacramento is. Sacramento still has some time to go, and they've kind of have they haven't done that that great of a job, you know, with picking. The, you know, picking people in the draft. I know, I know you got Marvin Bagley, which was still, in my opinion, was a good pick. You still missed out on Luka Doncic, no doubt about it. But they also have guys like Scalabissier that they kind of, you know, that they missed out. Justin Jackson, they drafted him last year. They traded him. They had a, they had a boatload of picks. Kind of gave they, them I up. think they also moved Scalabissier. Yeah, they moved him exactly. Yeah, about time. Harry Giles as well. He has some potential. Ben McLemore. Ben McLemore. I mean, they've missed out on some picks. If you look at their young core, it's essentially. De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. That's that's really what it comes down to. I think Nikola Jokic is better than De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley by a landslide. Jamal Murray right now could be an argument with De'Aaron Fox. I think right now he's better just because his team's winning. But best young core in the NBA, no doubt about it, it's the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I mean, it's not even – it's close, but I mean just – Who do you think is second? You say Boston? Boston's a little bit older. I wouldn't say they're too young. Jalen Brown, Jason you know, Tatum, and then, I mean that's about Terry Rozier is about like twenty six. He's yeah. I don't it's, know. it's more they rely on their big, you know, Kyrie Irving, Al Horford. Someone, some, know, those are the leaders of the team. You could honestly make an argument and say that the Mavs could have the best young core in the league. I just got to see how Porzingis comes out. If okay, so if Porzingis comes back to himself, do you think they'd end up having the best young core? I think it depends. I mean, that Denver team's a firehouse because then Michael Porter Jr. is coming back. Yeah. And then who he can maybe be their thirty point score a game. I mean, twenty five plus a game if if you know they put the ball in his hands, you know, as much as they should. So I mean, I just don't know. I mean, because it's Denver's leading right now, and their best player is probably sitting on that bench. You know, no disrespect to Jokic. Uh, I'm, I'm going to save that. I'm going I'm I'm, I'm, I'm to I'm gonna be conservative I'm on this. Gonna, yeah, I'm not going to make saying, that jump right now. I'm not saying anything about Michael Porter Jr. Knock on wood. Hopefully he comes back. He's healthy. I know a back injury can be bad. I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I think I think he hopefully comes back, has an amazing career. Hopefully. That's it. So now let's talk about someone who's been having an iffy, you know, rough couple of months, Kareem Hunt. News is he's signing with the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, the team that was 0-16 a few years ago. The Cleveland Browns. So now, my question to you is, with Baker Mayfield, with Kareem Hunt, with Jarvin La- uh, Jarvis Landry, excuse me, is this team the AFC, I mean, the AFC North favorites? I think so. 
I mean, you got a guy like Baker Mayfield who, you know, had a, you know, phenomenal rookie season. Didn't look too good, you know, midway through it. But, I mean, he, he got – he adjusted and he made things happen and they barely missed the playoffs. You know, you go from 0-16. Baker Mayfield, I think, sits the first two games. You make a quarterback change and he comes out and he just shows out. I mean, he bring a culture into that team. Then you got a guy like Miles Garrett on the defensive end who's going to be one of the most – deadliest forces at the defensive end position so i mean this team has a bright future you know and antonio brown just demanded a trade from the steelers so those brown those browns got you know a little money to work with you know they got a lot of guys on rookie contracts i'd make that trade make that move you know you can move a guy like bradley chubb or you know maybe even a key player on that team but i think it's just as long as you don't move a guy like miles garrett you know baker mayfield your your best and now guys. kareem hunt you, you should be all right um, uh, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't agree with you. I think I definitely respect your opinion. I respect what you, you know, and your, and all your points. I think the AFC North favorites, I think it should still be the Ravens. I think if you look at how this team fared off at the end of the season with Lamar Jackson, how well their defense played, I think, I think, you know, this team should be coming in as a favorites. I think if something happens within the off season, again, with the Browns, my opinion might change. Look at this Ravens squad. They had one of the best defenses to, to, end, to end the NFL season. Lamar Jackson was playing great. If you look at that wild card game, he had a bad game. Fourth quarter, he turned it up. If, I mean, if you give this guy one more quarter, he probably would have won that game 24-17 against the Chargers. You know? And they also have more experience than the Browns. You know, I, just said it, I just said it just now. They went to the playoffs, a wild card game. And they also played the Chiefs, went to overtime with the Chiefs. You look at this team, this team has a young leader. Their, their defense is real solid. They have some key, key components on offense. Lamar Jackson, he can run the ball. I think right now, I would still give it to the, um, give it to the Ravens. I think the Browns still have some work to do defensively. But I think, I think the Ravens right now, in my, in my opinion, are, are still the favorites. See, I think it'll come down to, you know, maybe the last two, three games of the season. Because, you know, you have the Steelers. They lost Le'Veon Bell. They're going to lose Antonio Brown. I mean, you don't just fill in that position right away. I know they have Juju Smith-Schuster, but we haven't seen him without Antonio Brown. You know, we, teams are going to adjust. Maybe they double-team him, and then who else has been Roethlisberger go to? So, I mean, it's just the Steelers are going to be in a situation next season to, you know, where they've got to make, you know, moves quickly. And I don't know if they'll adjust quickly enough. I have them the favorite in the AFC North if they do adjust. But I feel like if they can't come back from the Antonio Brown trade and, you know, fill in some positions to make up for it, then I think the Browns will end up, you know, taking that spot. But other than that, I don't think the Ravens will work their way in. I just feel like they don't have enough weapons to really make a strong push because, I mean, they relied too much on their defense last season, and it just it came back to haunt them in the playoffs. I don't know. Me personally, I like the way they played. It reminded me kind of the Cowboys. You kind of grit and grind the ball, ball possession. Defense kind of gets you your stops. You tire, you tire out the opposing team's defense. I think if they can stick with that formula – I think the sky's the limit with this team. You know, if their defense stays what it is, you know, one of the best defenses in the league, you can also shut down opponents. But then while you're on offense, you run the ball. You get at their defense. You milk the clock. You tire out their defense. I think this team actually does have the potential, you know, to make it to make it past the wild card next year. I think it's all depending on Lamar Jackson. Will he be able to throw the ball efficiently next season? I mean, you look at his QBRs, the worst in the league. But so. I want to touch up on Lamar Jackson real quick. So, you know, whenever he got drafted, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, you know, why would you draft him? This guy can't throw. 
Well, I mean, if you ask me, I think he can throw. I mean, we saw that, you know, in the fourth quarter in the playoffs. I think there's one issue with Lamar Jackson is that before the play even starts, he's looking for room to run. I think if he, you know, develops himself into a quarterback, you bring in, you know, a good QB coach, you know, he works out with, you know, maybe, you know, a guy like Peyton Manning in the offseason and, you know, really work on your quarterback IQ and developing your game more into a quarterback position rather than the two-way quarterback, I think I think he can go a long, long way. I mean, especially because you're going to have a defensive team who's going to worry about his throwing game. And then on top of that, you can't leave any gaps into his running game. So if, if you can do that, I mean, he's a lot sh- – he's maybe as shifty as Michael Vick, if not shiftier. So, I mean – Man, what's up with you in these takes this morning, man? I mean, if you look at Lamar Jackson, I feel like he has – I mean, he's just a bit quicker than Mike Vick was. But the thing about Michael Vick is he could throw the football. So, I mean, if Lamar Jackson can do the same, I mean, he can be just as deadly. And then we've seen, you know, before Mike Vick's, you know, incident and getting arrested, I mean, he could have possibly taken that Atlanta team and won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, the sky is definitely the limit, but it's, you know, can Lamar Jackson, you know, reach his limits? Yeah, I mean that's you know essentially that's the, that's the way with any QB. Can they yeah. fix their issues? Lamar Jackson, but his issue isn't as bad because I mean we've seen he can throw the football. We've seen that, no, definitely. It's just, but is he willing to? If you look at the last game we saw him in, the, the Chargers game, he had what forty five yards, fifty four yards heading into the fourth quarters. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some room to work with. I think he definitely has to do a better job of reading the defense. I think you know i've seen i've seen a history of of dual dual threat qbs they they haven't really been lasting that long in the nfl you know and i don't get me wrong i want this kid to be good his his story is is, uh tremendous but you know if you look at the history of the league dual dual threat quarterbacks really haven't been excelling within the league it's usually the dude that you know stay in the pocket don't run that much can actually throw the ball read the defenses you know if you're a qb it's more of an iq game how can you read stuff Instead of, you know, a more athletic thing, there's a handful of QBs that could really scramble. But other than that, I mean, if you look at the most look at the most uh, accomplished QBs, they're not really your dual threat QBs. Tom Brady can't really run to save his life. Yeah. You know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger can't run. Drew Brees, you know, he can run the ball, but he's not really known as a dual threat QB. He just steps out the pocket. There's a handful of dual threat QBs that really haven't, you know, the only successful one is Russell Wilson. And, and that's exactly the example I was going to get to simply because we've seen Russell Wilson running a lot early in his career. I mean, now he's what came off of probably his best season of, of his career, and he ha- was overshadowed just by stellar performances, you know, of Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes and, you know, Aaron Donald and, you know, just the list goes on, you know. But, I mean, Russell Wilson, if, if Lamar Jackson can, you know, take some from his game – and, you know, just, just improve, you know, his game as a quarterback just a little bit because I think that fourth quarter sold me in the playoffs. I mean, he was, what, negative two passing yards heading into the fourth. And, I mean, he throws for, you know, 100-plus, and he almost put that team in a position to win. Unfortunately, you know, the game ended how it was, you know, just couldn't really quite get that comeback win. But, I mean, if you – the Baltimore Ravens rookie quarterback, I mean, that one quarter sells you on his future. No doubt about it. Talking about our future, man. Sports decaf. We got a big road ahead of us. Yeah, We're you out know, this. you know how we do it down here. It's the man of the hour who never makes a mistake. Peace out, guys. Yeah.